Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Current Conservative for another episode. Today, we have on Gentry Jeevers. There you go. I really didn't want to screw that up. Uh, We're really (laughs) excited to have you on. I just think we're going to have such an interesting conversation um, regarding a lot of topics that Allie and I are like, we refer to the experts on these. (laughs) And I think it's going to be super fascinating because I feel like we're all people who, you know, really are strong on our values and um, the things that we discuss online and social media, et cetera. But how do we take that out of the internet world and transfer and carry it over to the real world? So without further ado, I'd love for you, Gentry, to introduce yourself and just tell us what you do. Well, my name is Gentry Jeevers, so you guys got it right. Um, I am, I guess you'd call me a social media influencer. Um, that's not my full-time gig. I, I sell HVAC, right? So I, I work out of, um, the, the joke I always say is I work from home, but just not my home <laughs> because I'm going to customers' houses all the time, but, um, very, very passionate about America. I love America and I love Jesus too. Um, and I, I think that freedom of speech is really, really critical and important, especially on social media because all the attention is going there. And so that's why I started my page is to speak out and be a voice and, you know, go first. So that's a little bit about me. Oh, and I'm from Washington state. Yeah. So you, that's Washington. I mean, it's obviously super liberal there. How do you deal with that? My gosh. Well, it's, uh, it's hard. It's, it's really hard. Um, I feel like there's a lot of growth though behind enemy lines. Um, there's no fault to people who are moving to, to Texas and, uh, in Florida and, and all those other states. Cause I feel like there's, you know, there's probably a lot of reasons like job opportunities and having schools for, you know, for, for their kids and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I don't think that God has called us to move away from hard things. Like my, my thought process is like, I'll probably always be in a blue state, um, just to be able to fight back. Like, I, I don't want to get to heaven and meet like Paul or Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego or Daniel, you know, these guys that like, like got crucified and got thrown in the fiery pit and, you know, in, in a lion's den and be like, hey, what'd you do while you were on earth? And be like, I, I moved to Texas. I moved to Tennessee. Right. I moved to Idaho. So, so real. I, yeah. yeah. That's a good, really good point. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, you said that, um, you know, you love the freedom of speech and mm-hmm. I, you know, there's so many sayings by our founding fathers that I love that talk about, like, if a nation doesn't have that ability to mm-hmm. you know, allow the citizenry to speak what's on their mind and mm-hmm. what's important to them and to be able to even like criticize the government, um, yeah. then it's no serious country and it's, and it's, you don't have any other rights if you literally can't speak your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am with you on that for sure. And then also I'm from California. I'm fourth generation Californian. And so I feel you so much about, you know, always being in a blue state and, um, just the, the battles that conservatives mm-hmm. and blue states have to face versus red state conservatives. I always say like a Tennessee conservative, you know, any red state conservative is not the same as a blue state conservative. Um, <laughs> oh, and that's no. not like, that's Drop not a diss mic, or anything. <laughs> yeah. It's not a diss or anything. It's, it's really just um, a matter of fact that like we just deal with a different battle. And also I'm very worried for red state conservatives 
um, when it comes to being complacent in their beliefs and thinking, oh, I'm in a red state. Oh, I moved to Texas. I moved to Florida. I'm fine. There's nothing to worry about. And I just, I just want to be like, yo, there are Marxists and communists and around every corner coming at you. So, and that's the, they want to go there even more because they know that they're, I feel like they're, they're the liberals are infiltrating those states like on the low because they know that's a breeding ground because red, you know, conservative people are like, okay, cool. Well, now we're like in a sanctuary and we don't have to try that hard. But it's like the school boards here, because I'm in Florida, the school boards here, like they have books all all over the place that are like, you know, have pornography and all that horrible stuff in them. So it's, it's just as bad here as it is uh, anywhere else, in my personal opinion. And I just yeah. think that it is true. I mean, you do have to work a little harder because you have people out in the open, especially mm-hmm. with California, like with the abortion laws. And like that was a big, not laws or lack thereof. Um, that was a big uh, thing for me too because I, growing up, I was never, I mean, I was, I, it was one of those topics where I was like very wishy-washy. Like I couldn't bring my, like I, you know, like I was, I went to a little mm-hmm. university and I was just like, well, like I was like swayed by the emotion of being like, oh, well maybe it's, you know. And then finally I was like, wait, what am I saying? Like, this is, this should be really important to everybody. Like this is a human life. And, um, that's, that's one of the things where it finally hit me. Like I can't be supporting and paying tax dollars that are going to murder children. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Huge. For sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. Um, so, <laughs> my topics, you know? Yeah, yeah just right into it. Um, okay, so there were some things that we wanted to discuss mainly yes. today, right? Um, and so, do you want to take the floor with the the first couple of points or wherever? Sorry, I'm having issues with Whoa, my sunlight. What's going here. on with your. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, there's like a wind. Too much lighting. <laughs> yeah, Too much lighting. Are you, Allie? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for oh, to adjust no. this. this. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go well, ahead. While we have a break, my my laptop got. I, j- I just got to adjust it. Oh yeah. Quick. No worries. Yeah, I apologize. Because I don't want this to die halfway yeah, through. Yeah. No worries. We're good. Oh good. Just... Let me check on this. Over here. You can edit this part out, right? Yeah, I think so. We're gonna look mm-hmm. at it. Um. But did you guys see, I kind of made some uh, waves today slash yesterday. Um, oh, you made waves? Uh, oh, great. We love waves. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was just going to bring up the um, the teacher who's in Florida. Speaking of like red state stuff, the teacher in Florida who showed her classroom like a pornographic, you know, one of those gay books. And mm-hmm. um, the parents filed the police report against the teacher. Have you guys heard of this? No. I just saw the headline. Okay. Yeah. I'm just like, whoa. I mean, obviously I mean, this has been them. going on for a while. But mm-hmm. um, she went on CNN yesterday i think and it was caitlin collins who hosted Mm -hmm. the town hall um and she still has a job i know for (laughs) real oh they were like yay caitlin yeah everyone loved it um but this teacher said that parental rights are gone when children are in the public school system and so it's really been making waves um you know, with that statement, because I think Matt Walsh said it like very, very rarely do we hear that be said so 
plainly and accurately that it's just mm-hmm. a, it's a true battle out there um what these people are doing and also Matt Walsh had a great point of like you know never in history has been there been a time in public school system where straight teachers were trying to show and talk to kids about straight sex and also these books are so inappropriate that it's uncomfortable for even adults to discuss Mm it you know Mm -hmm. between each other and also Matt was saying it's so descriptive and again so inappropriate that he can't even talk about it on the show and I'm just like that's such a good point like it's just it's it's on a whole other level so anyway well, I, I, yeah go ahead I'm having <laughs> no worries you, you're just you're just like a <laughs> I'm having like angel vibes over here <laughs> for like, people watching the halo. <laughs> so yeah. Kids are so impressionable too. And that's kind of a throwaway Mm -hmm. statement unless you like actually think about it because they're discovering everything Mm -hmm. like as they go, right? They don't necessarily have context to think about things. And so, I mean, it's a perfect way to like, if you want to indoctrinate people on a certain mindset, like you go to schools because Mm -hmm. they're, they're they're not necessarily taught how to think. Right. And now Mm -hmm. they're taught what to think, but now it's like really, really specific and targeted to this like ideology that we know the long-term effects of it yeah i mean if it even if you go and look back through history right the the roman empire fell because they got too fat and happy and like they were just sleeping around with anyone and Mm -hmm. the men got weak and then the barbarians came in and i mean it it like kids are so impressionable like they Mm -hmm. just take everything as gospel as as truth yeah, and so I, I think that, I mean, it's hard to say this because I don't actually have kids, right? So, but I feel like parents need to take a like a deeper dive into what's being taught in schools, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and take and take like a more serious view of it because the the public education system has produced, I mean, idiots for a long time, right? Like True. test scores are declining. Like ever since Jimmy Carter created the Department of Education. And mm-hmm. God came out of schools, like test scores are down, teen, teen pregnancies are up, suicides are up. It's it's yeah. a little concerning that people aren't like private schooling or homeschooling more. So that's yeah, that's um, my thought process on it. And like what you were saying, like with the Roman Empire, it's just a matter of like, yeah, parents taking a step further. We're, we're all childless. Um, eventually, hopefully we'll all become parents someday. But um, yeah, parents need to take that responsibility and really consider what their children are being exposed to in the school system. And, and like what you're saying, learn the history. There is so much history with um, governments coming after children, especially in mm-hmm. the communist, um, you know, far left uh, spectrum of politics. It's very extensive. And the underlying message that we're hearing, excuse me, from the left is, um, that, you know, the children are all of our children. And again, the left messaging, it sounds Mm -hmm. really good. That's so sweet. Oh, we should all care for the children to, to an extent that is true because you know, that there's that that saying, you know, it takes a village, but again, like that village is your family, right? People that mm-hmm. you really trust. And, um, and so they're using that messaging of, 
um, you know, they're all of our children. And really what that message is, is they're pushing the message of collectivism. And what we need to push back with is individual freedom, individual responsibility, individual choice. And it really boils down to the abolishment of the family and private ownership. That is what they're after mm-hmm. with this this message. Mm-hmm. So It's so sick too, because you say, oh, you know, we need individualism, but meanwhile, they're being taught to embrace their identity of like almost neutrality. Like, oh, I can be whatever I want to be. So it's like they go so far in the schools where you think, okay, well, in some cities like Chicago, they're literally being taught nothing. Like they can't read or write. They don't do math. Their literacy rate is like 30% or something. I made that up, but it's probably near around there. But then in other places there, it goes one step further, like you guys are saying, to indoctrination where they're literally being taught full-blown like pornographic content which it's like even in sex ed it's not like they were showing us pictures you know they're like diagrams or whatever but that's like you know seventh grade like high school so it's just crazy because I feel like they're just flooding them with all of this information so that they can make up their own identity but meanwhile it's stripping them of all of their own thoughts and their own critical thinking uh, Mm -hmm. abilities to make them adopt whatever the agenda says to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I also think that because of, you know, everything happens simultaneously, like the issues that we're having with our economy and the culture and our society is crumbling. And so parents are more concerned with like, how am I going to pay my bills? I need to make sure I get groceries. I need to make sure I have enough gas in the car. Like what, you know what I mean? Like what about all these laws that are coming in the regulations there? You don't have the time and the attention perhaps to go to the school and make sure that their kids are being taught, like, let alone Mm -hmm. why, like they think in their mind, well, why should it, why should I need to do that? Like, shouldn't they just be taught science and math and geography and history and all these things, but Mm -hmm. they can't teach them history because you, in order to, I feel like learning history, which is like, you know, something that Ali and I are doing a lot of our time is that when you learn history, you learn what happens in the Roman Empire and you learn these critical thinking strategies that open your perspective to the way that other worlds live, the way that other societies Mm -hmm. live and what happened. And so you can create your own thoughts and opinions and perspectives on life. And that's, that's, that's not something that little kids can do because they're just living day to day. They don't have that like depth perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. And I do think parents have in, have the ultimate responsibility to do that, mm-hmm. which they've always have. Maybe it, um, you know, shouldn't necessarily be that way. One could think, but I do think that it's, it's in parents' best interest to a know what their kids are learning and b take a- an actual in- interest in what they're mm-hmm. learning. Cause why would you not, you know, and also like you should be impressioning the values that you have. I mean, that's what's like parenting is everything where Allie knows a lot about child development and I've learned a lot through her and it's just mm-hmm. like those formative years are just so important you know you don't even think about it until you're an adult and you're like what was it what happened <laughs> you know right right crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so teachers though are some of the most important people to kids right because they're the built-in authority figure um right. and so in some ways people. i think that they're going very strategic with this kind of gender ideology right um, and in some ways they're going full blown like that story that you were, you were telling earlier about the pornographic sex ed book. Uh, I saw this story on Instagram. It was a, a video. I can't remember who it was, but, um, this, uh, daughter came back from public school and was like, Hey mom, I'm, I'm a lesbian. 
And the mom was like, in, in, instead of instead of getting like really, really upset, she asked, well, do you know what that means? Which I, I thought was a really good question. Um, and I, I don't know how old the daughter was, maybe like five to 10, right? Um, and the mom explained what that meant. And this, the daughter got just like disgusted. She's like, oh my gosh, no, I'm not that, I'm not that. And so I think it's uh, it's even those like little little questions like that can can help a lot i think um i saw this other stat and again i don't have kids so i don't know if if this is you know true or not but uh parents only have about 35 minutes a day of quality time with their kids like outside of like getting lunches ready and you know bathing and getting like only 35 minutes wow and it's because like all, all this other stuff like energy prices, inflation, yeah. stuff's getting harder. Both parents have to work. Wow. You know, there's, it, there's this like, it's, it's, if you look at the big picture, it's just an obvious attack on family and family values. 100%. Yeah. And I, um, I read a book last year on marriage and um, you know, the Gottmans, they're mm -hmm. kind of like OG, like psychologists. They're in um, Seattle. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Um, well, they do tons of studies on couples and they've been, you know, doing marriage counseling for decades. But they said that the average couple spends less than 15 minutes with face to face conversation a day because of the busyness of life and wow. children and cooking and chores and taking care of the house and all that. And it's like, how are you expected to actually have a thriving marriage on 15 minutes of face-to-face, -face, you know, talking with no distractions a day? Yeah. Um, and again, what you're saying, it's an attack on the family because I think that when they realized, you know, we can get women into the work workforce and that we have this other demographic paying taxes um, then they can really sell that public school education. And then that, and now we see the left pushing free education for uh, university and then preschool, uh, which is straight out of the communist handbook because they want to get to the children as young as possible to be able to indoctrinate them with these, um, you know, demonic ideas and beliefs. And so, yeah, the family is absolutely oh. under attack. And more specifically, I would say the American family is under attack. I, mm -hmm. I'm sure that this stuff is happening in other countries in different forms, but the more I learn about history um, and leftist regimes, I really realize like the uniqueness of the American Revolution. Not, I'm not talking about the American Revolutionary War. I'm talking about what we're living through currently right now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, again, it's just so relevant and it's so unique to America because we've never had like this indoctrination level from the left of like this LGBT and like ideology coming mm -hmm. so forcefully on a generation like this. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I have, I have two nieces and a nephew and I just, I think about the world that they're going to be growing up in and it makes me, it energizes me to do what I do because I want to preserve so much of what I had a as a child. Um, and so I want to have that. I want them to enjoy the same country that I was able to grow up in. And sadly, it's just it seems like it slips away a little bit mm -hmm. every day, yeah. you know, so.
Um, the nuclear yeah. family is very unique to America. I mean, a lot, even in yeah. France, I'm half French and a lot of families or a lot of couples there are not married. They have kids and they're not married at all. Mm. So Crazy. it's just not there. They, they don't, family is, is definitely a big part of their culture, but it's, and tradition wise, but it's not, it, there's no like value to it. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like, Oh, we, you know, we should get married. Like, it's not it just, they don't have the same like sequence of events that happens that has to do mm-hmm. with like, how the traditional family plays out and functions. Yeah. Uh, which I think is just, it is really interesting because yeah. a lot of European cultures too, like they put so much value on tradition, mm-hmm. but I think America is like, typical nuclear family, you know, which is why it's, it's taken a long time for them to be able to destroy that. And I think they've, now they have partially succeeded, which is terrible. Right. But, yeah. um, but you brought up the LGBTQ thing and I think it's a good transition to like the woke companies. Cause I think Gentry, you made oh, yeah. the video about that earlier. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd love to hear your take and how you yeah. suggest. <laughs> Tell us where all this wokeness is coming from. So it's interesting because it's not money motivated because there is a really good case study that if you go too woke and you're just all about the trans or all about LGBTQ, that you're going to lose a lot of customers. Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch is a fantastic example of that. Um, But they're not necessarily stopping. Like I'm seeing comments that Dylan Mulvaney, that, that trans thing is like they're looking to like create a whole show around him oh and my, it's, my goodness. It's, and so i it's it's not money motivated like at all and i i don't know necessarily why mm-hmm. um ford just came out with a as uh, a raptor commercial and it was like all the colors of the LGBTQ rainbow and wow. like maps and the, the trans, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. it's, it's not money motivated and I don't know why I have a theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, my theory is, is that they're trying to attack brands mm-hmm. that are part of the identity of America. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. Bud Light, right. It's, it, it may not be good or bad, but it just is part of the identity of America, right? Right. F- football games, cookouts, right? Beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Our uh, yeah, it, it kind of is. I I never was a Bud Light guy. I actually stopped drinking a year and a half ago. But um, the uh, it's like the the blue collar America flyover states tradition. Right. Mm-hmm. Same with Fords. Right. You can make an argument that it's actually Chevy, but I don't Chevy. really want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's interesting because I, I posted it. Um, I posted the commercial and a whole bunch of comments were like, I'm selling my Ford. I'm selling my Ford. I'm selling my Ford. Wow. And it was I, I think I got like 150 comments and um, like a lot of them were like, hey, I got a Ford for cheap. Like, And so it's sad. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because whether it's good or bad, it's kind of built into the identity of, of Americans. So the, the question that I posed on, on social media was, what company do you think they're going to go after next? I mean, Target, yeah, they, they went full woke. And I think that they're going to see a lot of decline in sales. Um, but what other like identifying company of America are they going to attack next? Um, right. And it's kind of interesting because it – what? I said it could be any any yeah. company really at this point. It's almost it like roulette at this point. We're like, okay, the next yeah. one's coming. We're like, everybody get on the bandwagon. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I it's, thought uh, it's very sad. 
Go ahead. Sorry. Um, it's uh, it's kind of going into this idea of stakeholder capitalism versus shareholder capitalism, mm. so um, which has been going on in, in Europe for, for some time. So what shareholder capitalism is, when you buy a stock in a company, right, you get uh, a voting right, right? Um, and with stakeholder, so, right, so, so you can vote uh, in the board and there's a, a ton of votes and um, with uh, stakeholder capitalism, mm -hmm. right, which is what Vanguard and BlackRock are doing, they are uh, appropriating a lot of votes because they're buying up huge and huge amount of companies. Mm. And what they're doing is they're um, furthering their agenda, right, with all this mm. ESG stuff and kind of going through a, a backdoor so they don't necessarily have to pass legislation. They just have to be able to manipulate the money and kind of hold the, hold the purse strings for a lot of these companies. Um, and it's really interesting. If you look back, um, I think, 30 years, in Europe, where this has been happening a lot, uh, the average returns is about 8%, right? So it still works, but it's it's less. And if you look back 30 years on the US, um, in the US markets, uh, with shareholder capitalism, it's mm -hmm. about 11%, okay. right? Yeah. But um, a lot of people are investing in 401ks and Roth IRAs and all this kind of stuff. And if you compound out and you subtract 3%, people aren't going to be able to retire. They're not really going to be able to retire right now. Yeah. And so they're just yeah. going to have to keep working, keep being busy. Yeah. And they're going to, I mean, when we're busy, they win because they have an incredible amount of funding from Soros and Clintons and Gates and the Fed and like whatever conspiracy theory you want to go down. Yeah. Um, so it's just this whole mess. And uh, th there's a company called Strive Investments. Um, Vivek, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, but he's actually running for president. They're doing a really, really good job of of, of talking about this, okay. and so that's kind of how I got turned on to the to the idea. So, yeah, I saw a reel um, about a week ago, and it was talking about how basically what you're saying with these um, stakeholder companies, Vanguard, BlackRock, etc. Mm -hmm. They, you know, have these stakes, and then with those votes. They're going by something similar to what ESG is, which I can't really remember what the S is. It sustainability social, governance, economic, social governance. Okay, and then there's something very similar for another type of company. Whatever I don't know how to classify or characterize whatever, but it's basically it's called CEI. All these like freaking yeah, I've seen alphabets. that. Yeah, and that's kind of what you're talking about. It's like there's basically this this contract that these companies want or the stakeholders want the companies to push for for and the cei is what this is and the the contract basically states like they have to reach out to at least three different lgbt owned uh you know influencer Causes. other companies and stuff and they have to basically work with other people that are going to push this agenda onto their consumers. It's and like so a point think, system. Yeah. It's basically, yeah. it's hard to explain, but it's similar to what ESG is. And so that's very freaky to know yeah. that mm -hmm. it's just being like pumped through the backside of capitalism, essentially. Mm -hmm. literally, literally. And <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think that, I mean, as a capitalist myself, I'm obviously I'm not a fan of crony capitalism which what we're experiencing right now but i 
I think that the conservative movement, like 10 years ago, we were just kind of catching on to like the idea of like a social credit score system and like, oh, that can never happen because we have our constitution or, you know, Mm -hmm. we would have some sort of like justification why it could never happen. But I don't think that we ever saw it coming from the capitalist side. Does that make sense of like the like companies pushing it on us rather than the government? Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a it's an interesting concept to kind of like grapple with. It's well, they're working together at this point because I feel like the government yeah. has infiltrated the companies. And Vivek Ramaswamy he does a good video about this, and it's I think it was through Hillsdale, and it's actually I think it's even like a couple years old. But it's like woke capitalism is destroying is destroying America. He also wrote a book about it, and so yeah, I think it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, and which I haven't read, but I really wanted to. And mm-hmm. um, gosh, I think that do you think that there is something to be said about like. Because they can't, they have to know that doing these programs and pushing these agendas is going to make people upset. I mean, I don't know if they think that it could it could have such an impact where the price of their stock goes down. But we've seen that happen with Disney, with you know, with different companies where this has happened, and then their stock you know tanks. Um, and so, is that like it could also be like a pump and dump? Like it's just like they push down, and then they can buy all of that like really low stock and then they accumulate more of it and then have hmm. I don't know I, that have just occurred control. to me just now and be able to have more control or make more money off of it because I because I think yeah. what you guys are saying I mean I agree with everything and and I feel like that goes back to the idea that it's not money motivated and like I totally agree with that because they don't care what we have like they know that we're not gonna you know like they know people mm-hmm. like us aren't gonna go out and buy it or we're more inclined to boycott yeah. these brands because of this because it's so important to us now because they're destroying our culture yeah and, and it's important to like practice what you preach right and put it out into the put it out and it like I see you're wearing a public square shirt and it pushes people to start businesses mm-hmm. and like go for brands that actually support our values because we have to Mm -hmm. be reinvesting it's consumer like capitalism is great like we love it but it's you have to be putting back into companies that actually support our values because that just keeps the stream going instead of destroying from within because I, Mm -hmm. i feel like now the government has literally infiltrated these these companies and they're becoming monopolies and like absorbing each other and then it just becomes like what and then what then the government would just take them out and then absorb them and now we're it's literally you're buying from the state you know socialism Mm -hmm. 101 so yeah so that's what's kind of happening with the banking system with all these banks going out and then chase acquiring them it's like it's the centralization of the banking system so that it's easily more controllable so that the government can eventually seize the means of finance <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's terrifying i'm like ah. yeah well they're they're already implementing um a financial i think it's a i want to say it's a payment system it's called fed now yeah i don't know if you guys have heard of this but yeah. essentially they're gonna sometime in july they're gonna transfer everything to or they're planning on transferring all, all of our u.s dollars to cbdc's which is centralized digital currency Mm-hmm. Um, tied into the social credit score. So like if you post something that they don't like, they can turn off your money. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And they're also trying to tr- track every single transaction through that so that they can make sure that they get their taxes. Yeah, I think it's right. such a, a backward system. Sonny, you said something interesting. Um, you were suggesting that someone was either shorting the stock or buying it really, really low so they can make money on the, um, when it 
when it goes back up because it's it's hard to say that Ford's going to fail. It's really hard to say that Budweiser's going to fail, right? Is that is that what you were saying? Kind of. I didn't. Really, it wasn't like a hundred percent fully thought out thought. <laughs> it, it makes sense. It's it's a listen, great thought. Listen, we're not the financial <laughs> people. <laughs> I did take AP macro in high school, so I know what they do. And I just watched supply side economics course on Hillsdale, and it was fantastic. I do have like a very low key fascination with economics, but I yeah. know twenty percent. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Well, yeah. economists are economists are wrong. 50% of the time. So if- <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it, also, it also really fascinates me that so many economists are like lefties. It does mm-hmm. not make sense to me. And like, don't you understand? Like socialism <laughs> doesn't work at all, like at all. Okay. I just don't understand it. Such a good story about this. I don't know if you guys know what the Laffer curve is, no. but have you heard of it? No. Okay. Oh, okay. So the Laffer curve is is a curve that is like a graph and it's named after Dr. Arthur Laffer. He was like, I did not come up with this curve, but I guess because he implemented it and he was worked with Reagan, he worked with Ford, he worked with a lot of presidents, even like European, um, or not European, but foreign leaders as well. But long story short, he like coined the graph because it's basically a graph that goes like that. So it has taxes and revenue. So he basically is saying that like, okay, like to a certain degree, like the higher you raise taxes, the higher the revenue goes. However, when you reach a certain point and taxes become so astronomically high, you actually start to lose revenue because Mm -hmm. your tax base is going down because less people are actually paying the amount that they're supposed to be paying. Yeah. So it's like a whole thing where it's like you can't increase revenue by increasing taxes because you decrease your tax base. Right. So he was like in a round table or like in some big panel. Um, I think it was, oh gosh, I can't remember which presidency it was. I think it was Ford. I can't remember. But um, they were, they had like a bunch of economists there and they were like, gosh, I can't believe I can't remember the president. They were trying to do like a stimulus thing where we're like, okay, we're going to give $600 in a stimulus check. I was like, LOL, like COVID pandemic, like 1.0 pre. And so like 50 years ago. And he was like, everyone was like, yeah, this is going to be a great, great idea. It's going to stimulate the economy. Like, and so he, they get to him and he's like, okay, well, I just want to ask really quick question. If all of these three economists are right and what they say is going to happen, that it's going to stimulate the economy, it's going to be great. Why not? Why stop at six hundred? Why not give them six thousand dollars? Why not give them sixty thousand dollars? Why not give them six hundred thousand dollars? Like, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. And they were stumped. Like, they were just like literally had no answer because it's true. It's like no matter how much you give out from the government, you know, and how much you get <laughs> bring in, you're like lowering the tax base. So I just think it's so interesting because he's the only person who like really understands. And I highly recommend this if you're like interested in supply-side economics and, like, understanding tax base because also the trade and all of that stuff, like, comes into the market. I'm rambling now, but it's just quite interesting. (laughs) And I feel like he's the only economist who really understands, like, capitalist capitalism in its, like, at its heart, like, really what Mm -hmm. it's supposed to do and how it's supposed to function. And you just can't make more money on more taxes because that's just not really how it works. Right. That's awesome. Sorry, that was like not fully thought out yet again. No, <laughs> but, <it's okay. laughs> but that's what podcasts are for, right? 
Yeah, thinking through things. I would also add um, that, like, in addition to that, there's just been so many different studies that basically prove once again that, like, economic independence among the citizenry actually creates the most economic growth and the more happiness among people because they have the liberty to go and choose for themselves and provide for their family in the way that they they choose right it's like the paternalistic you know manner of these leftist governments that are imposing all these high taxes um are is very constraining to people after a period of time and um it just it under delivers obviously and then it leads to a lack of resources a lack of um innovation incentives etc and then ultimately famine and death and just despair right like that's just the history of the way that these um big governments go so anyway yeah, i think we're all very much fans of limited government <laughs> um but well, this kind of leads saying? me what you were telling you were you were telling me about and how in hungary and i heard someone else talking about it they oh um, yeah they the, lower the tax rate for women by 1% for each child you have. I think it starts the tax – they have a flat tax no, for income. No, it's 16%. not even 1%. Well, it's if you have up to one, four children, then they eliminate it entirely. Yeah, but it's so like if you, if you have one, then it's 15, and then if you have two, it's 14, like that, I think. No, so um, if you – there's like two different things. Like for the student loans, if um, a woman has – two children her student loans are cut in half and then if she has three children like the student loans are totally taken away and then if a couple is married and then they have um one child so okay wait sorry when a couple gets married and they want to get a housing loan for like thirty thousand dollars the government will give them that and then to buy a house and then if they have a child the um the loan basically like they don't have to pay interest on it and then if they have up to three children like the entire loan just gets like wiped out <laughs> like it's crazy and I like, what's the point at that point? I was kind of considering that like how is that any different than like a leftist government doing it because this Hungarian woman is um conservative and so I'm like that's kind of like not a conservative thing to really do but The whole thing is, like, to incentivize having children, like, to make more Hungarian babies. And I like like that notion. (laughs) Gentry's face is like, "Mm." (laughs) yeah, I'm like, how is this going to be sustainable? But it's very intriguing. What do you think? I... Whenever I hear government funds, I just think that, oh, it's money that we all paid into. Uh-huh. Right. And so in, in theory, and it's probably a really good start. Mm-hmm. Right. But kind of like what you were saying with the uh, Lafferty curve, like, why not stop at, you know, 30,000? Why not just mm-hmm. give them like 3 million or 300 million or whatever it is? Yeah. Um, just lower taxes. I mean, mm-hmm. kids are expensive. Right. I think in like in Washington State, uh, it's like a quarter million until they're 18. Right. Mm-hmm. Per kid. Yeah. Um, and you could just have more kids you could afford to have more kids if you just lowered taxes mm-hmm. to stimulate you know, growth that's yeah, how i feel right about as you said that i remembered one of the policies is that when a woman has a child her income tax gets Goes deducted yeah, yeah. Oh, it's that's like what I was see that's about. good that's yeah that's amazing 
Yeah. And then yeah. if you have like three kids, though, you don't pay any income tax for life. I think it's four. It's four. Oh, okay. Four yeah. kids. Four yeah. kids. No income tax for life. I'm like, sign me up. For the woman. I think it's just for the woman, though. Like, they don't, they, you could, yeah. they could still, yeah. 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 But that's husband. how I feel about the reparations. I'm like, well, why not give them 200 million? Why about oh my gosh. person? Whatever. Like, is, uh, are we even, is there even a brain in your head? Like, I'm just so confused, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this kind of moves on to like the next topic that um, Gentry wanted to touch yeah. on. It's like the limited government providing for yourself and really mm-hmm. like what are ways that we can be, you know, mindful of liberty and freedom outside of social media. So what are your thoughts on that? Or is that even uh, the point? Yeah. So yeah. Th- th- this might be controversial because okay. we're all, I mean, we all kind of further this in, in a little bit, but um, I want to preface this by saying, I think it's good to pay attention to what's going on in the news, right? Yeah. It's really, really good to be informed. But I think in a lot of ways, we're getting distracted by trying to not be distracted, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's 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 a huge like thought process in the conservative social media movements like don't be distracted right like follow the news like follow this oh reporter f- follow this story all this kind of stuff and non-stop, um non-stop. the mm-hmm. uh I, I think though because we're getting so engrossed in following the news and trying to find the right story that we're missing what's right in front of us mm. like we're, we're missing time with friends family community like actually getting involved in a church actually getting involved in like local politics, getting involved in um, community events, being excellent at your job or, or your business, mm-hmm. right? Because um, I, I see it all the time. Like I, I post a couple of times a day and I'm, I get a whole bunch of likes from the same people. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it. But I'm also like, there, there's this dichotomy, right? Like obviously I'm feeding into it. So I'm not necessarily like I'm, I'm, I'm part of the problem in a way, but I'm also not part of the problem, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like we're getting we're getting distracted by trying to not be distracted. Yeah. And I feel you yeah. on that. Like uh the whole like that's uh, a distraction or like don't be distracted. Um sorry to kinda like butt in, but <laughs> I, No, yeah. I just I resonate with that so much and um I've always been like a proponent of being, you know, in the moment and um focusing on, you know, what's in front of you, but I'm also I work in social media and so a lot of my job is to, you know, find that story or um, you know, do that research. Um and while it is my job and I feel actually so blessed to be in the position that I am, um some days I'm just like I I could care less what happens yeah. in the news today, you know? Um but you know, it's, it's not always, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's just really, um, paying attention to how you can improve just the smallest details in your life and actually Mm -hmm. enjoying life. Like, um, you know, enjoy the little things. And there's like a, there's like a saying, it's like romanticize your life, like just make the most out of every little opportunity and be grateful because not everyone has the health that I have. Not everyone has, you know, not saying that I have like a ton of money, but you know, not everyone has the money that I have. And so I'm just like everything that I do and say, and, um, that I'm around, I want to 
be so mindful that like God has given me all of this. And mm-hmm. it actually comes down to like the biblical value of being a steward of what God's mm-hmm. blessed you with. And so nothing in my life is actually mine. It's all God's. Uh, God has been so gracious and has blessed me in abundance. And so I, you know, kind of lose focus of that from time to time. And it's always great to recenter my thoughts and heart and just make sure that I'm in the right spot mentally. So that's my two cents. <laughs> that's a great two cents. Yeah. What about you, Sunny? I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, I think it's, uh, it's dawned on me in the past year or so, especially because a lot of people have told me your whole identity is politics. And I, I'm not offended at all. (laughs) And um, also because I just feel like I don't see it as politics anymore because, you know, we're, we are uh, distracted for lack of a better word by the illusion of choice. Mm -hmm. And I really feel that people like us who understand the depth and the gravity of what's going on, uh, they're, they're really, that doesn't like the system that we have in front of us is not real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have to kind of look beyond that and see what are the deeper issues and, you know, it's really good versus evil. And I found myself realizing like, wow, I want to be fully on God's team. I want to be fully immersed in what God has given us. This world is so beautiful. And I forget that so many times because I'm just, you know, we get, we do get bogged down by the reality of the world that we live in. And sometimes I'm like, I I didn't sign up for this ride. Like what happened here? Mm -hmm. But I think it's, uh, it's a lesson and it, it, you know, you can't have good without evil. You can't have light without dark. Right. So it just, in the past year, as Allie is, as, as Allie knows, I've just like my journey, like with reading the Bible, like something that I never did, you know, it's like something I'm just so, so grateful that I've gone through the things that I've gone through because it, it's brought me to this place. And now I'm like, oh, I am, I'm fully like 100% in on promoting what my values, not even promoting, but just being convicted with what my values are. Like this is, this is important to me. I don't really care that it is considered or viewed as, oh, your identity is politics. It's like, no, that's freedom. Like my identity is freedom, like fighting for Mm -hmm. the things that actually matter to me, matter to our world, matter to God. That's what's important to me. So Mm -hmm. I am just so grateful as well to be like around people and like interact with people that have those same values because I just feel like we're on God's team and it is important. It's just, it's important to be steward of his word. And Mm -hmm. um, it is all to glorify God. Like truly, I feel like I've had some, a couple of crazy moments recently where I was like, whoa, like this is literally the answer. Like we are literally here. Everyone's trying to figure out a purpose. I feel like I talk about that a lot because it's something that I've, Mm -hmm. I've, I've thought about a lot and it's just like, well, I don't know. You know, you like that's within you. It's literally within us. So Mm -hmm. amen. Yeah. I just, I, when you were saying that, that the story of, um, you know, being a light on the hill, like we are the light, we like what we have inside our hearts with, which is Jesus, um, is the answer to so much and all of the pain and anguish and uncertainty in this world. It all comes down to who Jesus was and what he did for us. And, um, when we realized that we were destined for the fiery pit of hell um, because of the fall of man and that we realized that Jesus really did come and, um, and all his deity and all his humanness, he came 
lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sins as the perfect sacrifice and the perfect lamb. Um, And when we can accept that and we we can accept God's love, um, then we have that in our hearts and that becomes the answer to other people's pain and anguish and uncertainty that we once were in and dealing with that we thought we could overcome ourselves and ultimately you know we learned that we cannot so um, I also will say that I think it's one of the most important factors of this too is that it's like it takes choice because we all have free will Mm -hmm. and it takes choice to like really choose that lifestyle and choose what the what the answer is you know like we you can deny that and ignore it for as long as you want but it doesn't deny reality it doesn't make it not true so Mm -hmm. I think that's so important I think that's like something that we learn from God, from Jesus. And it's like, it's just wild. It really is when you think it's like this like juxtaposition. So I feel like it's important to to note that all it takes is one simple choice and it's really just like letting go of your ego, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Any closing (laughs) remarks, Gentry? Um, I love the tangent that you guys just went on because Jesus is the answer, right? The, Mm -hmm. um, like the, the golden rule, right, is um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I feel like the deconstructionists or the left will will look at and say, oh, well, you're supposed to love your neighbor, right? But they, they miss that last part, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And mm-hmm. the, the way that I think about it is you can't really love yourself in like a godly way if you don't necessarily know who you are. You don't really know who you are um, without Jesus, right? Because he's really like the 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 big identity piece that a lot of this world is missing, mm-hmm. right? Because we're all kind of operating out of uh, hurt or shame or guilt or whatever it is. I mean, if you want to boil everything down to its simplest form, right? It's that phrase, hurt people, hurt people. And so um, I feel like if we could, I mean, I, I try to push people to, to go to church all the time. Cause I, I can, I can, pr- I can probably preach, right. I'd love to be a pastor someday, but um, I, I feel like there's, there's something amazing about understanding who you are in Christ so that you can actually love yourself mm-hmm. as Christ sees you, as God mm-hmm. sees you as like a child of God. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're, you're going to be able to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right. So you're going to be mm-hmm. able to see him in, in new light and love your neighbor. I don't think necessarily means to be accepting of your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We're supposed to love okay. people enough to um, like be around them, to, to bring them in. But we're supposed to also love people enough to not leave them where they're at. Yeah. That'd be my their, closing thoughts. Yeah. In their sin, you know, Jesus called yeah. them to a transformation of life, not to just validate everything that they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Thank you. I mean, this conversation was packed, and I know I got chills. I know this. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Gentry. This was amazing, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah. Have a great rest of your day, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. This well, was thanks. awesome. Yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I that was by far one of my favorites. So thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Oh good. So I'm glad that I'm one of the favorites. <laughs> I always I always try to be the best. Competitions <laughs> <laughs> will awesome. be like <laughs> Thank you, Allie and Sunny, for having me on. This was a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Take Bye. care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.